You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. Hey, everybody. Tim McMaster here along with Jeffrey Flanagan, our MLB.com Royals reporter. We got a lot to talk about on the podcast this week, Jeffrey. Uh, You have a good story about Bubba Starling uh, feeling good about heading into 2018. Alex Gordon spoke about, obviously, a disappointing 2017 campaign. And then there's been some moves made as far as the roster goes. So let's start right there. Um, First, the trade. They send Ryan Buchter and Brandon Moss and money to the A's. Coming back the other way is right-handed pitcher Jesse Hahn and minor leaguer Heath Fillmeyer. Obviously, by trading away Moss, they save a little money. When you look at this deal overall, what's the perk? What's the upside for the Royals? Money. You mentioned it. Uh, you know, Dayton Moore and his staff have had a couple priorities this, this offseason. And number one has been to to restock the farm system, which they've done with a couple trades. And, and they got Heath Fillmeyer here where they project to be a Eventual starter, he'll start in Double A this year, but mainly uh, dumping the the Moss contract. Uh, he had uh, over eight million left. They saved about five million on that, and that cuts their payroll down now to under 110 million, which is, uh, you know, Dayton wanted to get at least under 120, so he, he's kind of ahead of the curve there. Um, and obviously, uh, as I wrote, uh, when the trade happened, that's going to lead to a ton of speculation that uh, they're zeroing in on Eric Hosmer. Have not heard anything further on that other than uh, they, they have had some dialogue lately. So uh, who knows what's going to happen there, but they don't have a natural first baseman left on the roster uh, other than uh, some 40 man roster guys. So uh, something could be brewing here pretty soon, but uh, that certainly opens the door for a guy like Eric Hosmer. But uh, in, in the long term, they're, they're just trying to get that payroll down. So even if they were to get Haas, uh, they can, uh, you know, find a way to to get payroll to where they can afford it. As far as Hosmer goes, obviously, the longer this slow hot stove season continues, the more fans will hope that there's a chance that he would come back. Um, would it have to be a certain kind of deal? I mean, obviously, it has to be an affordable deal. But would it be a situation where they would try to backload it and have a little less money up front, or or are they just going to see where this market takes them? No, it would definitely have to be something kind of backloaded. You know, we've heard a lot of wild numbers, and a lot of them are inaccurate. You know, uh, there was a number floated out uh, maybe about a month ago that the Royals had offered seven for 147, and that just was not true. But, you know, I, I think Haas, you know, with, with Boris's camp up, will definitely try to get uh, at least six, seven, maybe even eight years. Um, but, you uh, could the Royals afford something like that? Yeah, if if you know maybe the first year they start out at fourteen or fifteen and it escalates up as they go from there, and maybe even with some deferred payments, get a little bit creative. Um, it's certainly been a guy that they've targeted since October. They've they've really wanted him to come back, uh, thinking that uh, he could still be. He's twenty eight now. He could still be you know in his in his early thirties when they get really competitive again. So it, it uh, a lot of people have questioned about why they would even want to, but. Uh, that's one of the reasons why is that he could still be in his early 30s and productive um, when they contend again. And, um, he's certainly a great clubhouse leader and uh, important to this community. What a great situation it would be to have a guy that kind of crosses the the generation from one contending team that won a World Series to another Absolutely. contender. That'd be 
That'd be pretty cool. Speaking of bringing players back from 2017, Alcides Escobar was a big part of that championship team, and he is back. It's a one-year deal for the 31-year-old. Um, things not maybe shaping up on the free agent market as much as he would have liked, so he comes back to Kansas City. Now, obviously that opens up the door for more questions, Jeffrey, one of them being what does this mean for Raul Mondesi because I think a lot of people thought that he would naturally just kind of move into that role now with if Escobar had left. Yeah, and uh, I think I began talking about the possibility of Escobar coming back all the way back in October because I think we all kind of anticipated that the market wouldn't be great for LCDs. Uh, not because he's not good defensively. Obviously, he's a former gold glover and, and still plays at a high level defensively. Uh, just his off- offensive numbers just are not appealing on the open market. So the Royals were able to get him back on a one-year deal. Uh, it would max out at about $4 million, uh with incentives. And, you know, I talked to Dayton and some of his staff members a lot about this over the last couple of weeks, and uh, they just feel the shortstop position is just too valuable, even in a rebuilding year, that you just can't give up outs there. And I don't think they were convinced that uh, Raul Mondesi, who's not been healthy for a complete year yet, could, could maybe do that for, a, you know, for an entire year. Um, and they don't want to get in a situation where, you know, they're getting a ton of errors, 40, 50, 60, 70 errors at shortstop. they got to get outs when they can get them. LCs will provide that at least for another year. And that probably means that Raul Mondesi goes back to AAA tries to stay healthy for a full year, plays a full year at shortstop, and then maybe he's ready uh, in 2019. Alex Gordon, uh, halfway through that four-year, $72 million deal that he signed, and it was a rough 2017, no doubt about it. Although I should say it was a rough offensive 2017. He hit 208, 293, 315 was the slash, but he won another gold glove. So he was great defensively again. Um, September showed some glimpses that he could get it figured out at the plate. Let's listen to Alex, though. We talked this week, um, Jeffrey, and, and this bite, it starts with talking about getting a chance to play center field a little bit last year and then goes into the struggles that he had and what he hopes to prove. You know, you put your best athlete in center field, and I think it's just it was kind of cool to finally get that opportunity. Obviously, Kane and Dyson have roamed that for so many years, so there was never really a good opportunity for me to go out there besides just trying to get Kane a, break, a breather or a break. Last year was a disaster, no, no doubt about it. What's wrong with my swing or, you know, what am I doing wrong with my stance where, you know, towards the end of the year, I just, it's my approach. I don't have an approach, you know, when I get in the box and I kind of lost that. I don't know what it was from. You know, I'm trying to get it back this off season. I've been working with some people and uh, trying to get back to my old self. I just had an approach. I was taking pitches. I was supposed to, I was going up there with a plane, which I don't know why I didn't have it in the, you know, the first half or the, the beginning of the season, but it just wasn't there. So it was good to actually end on a somewhat positive note and bring it in the off season. Like I said, I've been trying to get back to where I need to get and been working a lot this off season with some people and hopefully it's getting there. So Alex Gordon being uh, very honest about 2017 and, and he knows what kind of year it was, uh, Jeffrey, when you saw how he finished the year, do you have reason to believe that he could have a better offensive season here in 2018? Yeah, if he, if he can carry on what he did in September, we saw a different Alex back then. Um, really started going the opposite field, beating the shift uh, very consistently. I think his OPS was way over 900 uh, during this 20-game stretch and uh, was getting power to the opposite field. We, you know, that's an Alex actually we've never seen, um, even when he was hitting really good from 2011-2015. So there's some encouraging signs there. and. I uh, talked to him at length uh, at FanFest, and you heard some of the interview um, just now. He, he's actually trying to go up there 
regaining the approach that he had back in, in uh, those years that I mentioned, uh, where he just wouldn't go up just guessing and hacking, um, trying to lay off pitches that, that were pitchers' pitches and trying to jump on pitches that, that he, he knew he could drive or flip to the opposite field and beat the shift. So uh, it would be really interesting how he carries that over in spring training as we, as we start that in a couple of weeks. Um, I think a lot of Royals fans and, and certainly in the organization are very curious to see if he can – he can bounce back and, and be that type of hitter. He was a nine, number nine hitter, probably the highest paid nine hitter in maybe history last year. So they're hoping he can be a productive, uh, you know, six, seven hitter uh, going into 2018. And you have a full story up about Gordon on Royals.com. So people should go ahead and check that out. You also did a great feature this week on Bubba Starling. And obviously everybody thinks of Bubba Starling. And I think the first thing that comes to mind is disappointment and just how it's gone for the former first-round pick that had so much hope. But seems like maybe there's reason to be optimistic a little with Bubba Starling. Um, he was about ready to hang it up, it sounds like, during yeah. 2017. But then a little something clicked, and, and now maybe there's some hope for, for Bubba. Yeah, uh, Tommy Gregg, the, the AAA hitting coach, just made a little adjustment getting his hands down a little bit closer to his waist so his swing felt a little bit less two-part and more just one constant flow. And from the minute they did that, he said, he told me he felt really, really comfortable doing that. And uh, at the end of the season, his numbers don't look that dramatic. I think he finished at 248, but he was hitting about, I don't know, I'm guessing 120 or 121 at the time that he made the adjustment. So, you know, hopping his average up 120 points. And, and then his, his season was cut short by an oblique injury and, He's been working hard on on his core muscles in the offseason to make sure that doesn't happen again. But uh, kind of at a crossroads here for Bubba Starling, former number one pick uh, a long time ago. And uh, he probably won't make the team out of spring training, but uh, I think he feels confident, the club feels confident, that he's going to finally make his major, major league debut this year. And uh, certainly he can do it defensively. He's a terrific athlete, uh, three-sport three star at, at Gardner, Kansas, who – signed to be a quarterback in Nebraska. We know he's got the athletic ability. Uh, it's just been a matter of can he hit offensively enough uh, to get to this level, and um, this could be the, the year we, we find that out. Maybe the team is in a in a good spot for Bubba at this point, yep. too, right? Because of the rebuilding nature, there's maybe not going to be as much pressure as opposed to if he had made his big league debut at some point for a team that was planning on contending. Absolutely, and, and you know, right now we're looking at with Lorenzo Crane recently signing with the, with the Brewers. Uh, you're looking at Billy Burns or, or Paulo Orlando in center, and not a whole lot of depth behind that. So if there's an opening, this is it for Bubba. All right, great stuff. This has been MLB.com Extras, our Royals edition. For Jeffrey Flanagan, I'm Tim McMaster. Tune in again next time. <laughs>